Gospel of Matthew. And, uh, or is it three? However many come up on the screen. Matthew 5, this is the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. And Jesus says, You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. This is the word of the Lord. How you like that tongue? That is the light moment in the sermon. It goes downhill from there, just a heads up. So today is Safe Church Sunday. We used to call it Abuse Prevention Sunday, and you can probably figure out why we don't um, say that anymore, right? It's, it's a triggering kind of a thing. But it is still a difficult and real topic, and, and I want to start by saying that it's very important if we are going to live out of the love of God and Christ and be loving people in our community, that we also talk about the tough stuff, right? And so at least once a year, we're going to have these difficult conversations around um, what makes people feel safe and how do we deal with the fact that some people have been hurt along the way, and especially, and we'll look at that today too, how do we deal with the fact that we've hurt other people and how do we move forward so that we are less hurtful people? Um, and since I did a series on the Ten Commandments this summer, and this passage talks about you shall not murder, I thought well, we should throw this in and call it the Sixth Commandment Sermon so that that series is continuing, because um, this is exactly what we're talking about. And then the overall topic I would suggest to you is Scripture, the Bible, on speaking. And if you were brought up on Sesame Street like I was, I will tell you that this sermon is brought to you by the letters S and C. I knew, there was some, I knew there was some of you out there with me. Okay. Murder is horrible. I probably didn't need to point that out. We're starting, and Jesus starts here, with the obvious, if you will. You've heard it said, you've heard that was said to the people long ago, Moses and the Ten Commandments, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment, right? There is a law built into our world that every culture and society that I know of lives into and understands, right? They have different interpretations of what it is, but murder is wrong. We all understand this. I probably don't need to spend a whole lot of time convincing you that this is so, right? But Jesus wants to engage us all. I find what can happen with things like a commandment like you shall not murder is we go, check, haven't done that one. But Jesus goes, wait a minute, I need to draw you all down into the depths of what this is really talking about, right? That the you shall not murder is code or shorthand for a whole lot of other things. And he starts with, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. That subject to judgment is the exact same deal as murder, by the way. It's parallel. Anyone who is angry with a brother or sister... Now, I've learned my lesson. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm going to say, keep your hands down if you've ever been angry with a brother or sister, right? Yeah, you're nailing it, right? We got this thing. We know how to be angry with other people. And you've probably also heard, 
anger all by itself is just emotion. It's, it's an emotion. It's not a sin. True, and you can hear the way I'm saying that, that there's going to be a but right behind that. True, but there's no room for staying in that anger. In fact, I think we need to continue to process our anger because I'm guessing that many of us now use the line, anger all by itself is not a sin, it's an emotion, to excuse the fact that we are getting angry and staying angry and expressing our anger in a way that hurts other people. And since this is Safe Church Sunday, we need to deal with how do we hurt other people and how do we move on from that. Um, I'm on, on a journey. I'm always on a journey, so are you. That's not much. But I'm on a journey called Faith Walking, which in my case is a group of pastors and church leaders. And we're working through the stuff that we deal with, right? Our, our junk, to put it simply. And the thing that I, I learned really quickly there was that when it comes to um, being anxious, being worried, being tense, right, which is part of my job, it seems, sometimes, that I was always taught, don't be an anxious presence, right, or be a non-anxious presence. And since that's actually impossible, right, I can't, I can't pretend I'm not nervous when I'm up in front of people. I can't pretend I'm not nervous if I have to go into a difficult circumstance. Well, actually, I can, but that's not helpful. So when I was taught to be a non-anxious presence as a leader, what I did was I took my anxiety and I stuffed it down, right? And I want to suggest to you that what most of us do with our anger is the same thing. We know we're not supposed to be angry, so we all know how to show up here and not express anger, right? But then you get in the car on the way home and, uh-oh, popped out again because, oh, I had a lid on it for a whole hour and a half and now it pops back out again, right? All of us have to process what do we do with our strong emotional responses to things that happen around us? If you pretend you don't have any of them, I'm going to be just a little bit blunt this morning and call you a liar, all right? That's not a good thing. We got to understand and work on these things and recognize that Jesus is saying here, right, good for you, you didn't murder anybody. However, we're going to go a little bit deeper and deal with what's going on inside of you, what's exploding out of you, what is your language looking like, and how do you express things like your anger? Safe spot for legalistic literalism. See if that helps. Jesus says again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. This is a put your hands up one. Anybody ever said Raka to somebody? One, okay, cool. I, I'm gonna ask later about the context on that one. I, this isn't our word. So this one's great for us, right? We love this commandment because I've never said that. I don't even know what that word means, and so I'm safe on this one. That only works, of course, again, if the only way you read the Bible is it says Raka, and Raka's now on the list of words I can't say, right? That's just too simplistic, especially when you get this next one. I call this the blanket that covers us all. Anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. And maybe I haven't directly said, you fool, but I've certainly noted that people have been foolish with their name, which is a lot like saying, you fool, right? This is one where we might have to draw a lot. This is one where pretty soon we're going to see our dear friend, the wise man who wrote the Proverbs, he calls people fools. This whole book is about fools and wise people. And that leaves you in that difficult spot where we're always going to be when we're following Jesus, where we're going, wait a minute, Jesus, you're asking us to do something where your book and the book about you does that kind of thing. What is the real point? 
in what we're looking at here. Is it that I check off the box, I've never said the word raka and never say the word you fool? Or, as you suspect with me, is there something a little more we need to lean into in order to understand how do we talk safely with other people? Well, James weighs in, book of James. Those who consider themselves religious, keep your hands down if you consider yourself religious, and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and the religion is worthless. I don't know about you, I find that a very difficult thing to hear, right? Shorthand of it is you can show up here and do all the wonderful things you do here, but if your tongue flies once in a while out of control in a hurtful way, all that activity, what's the word he uses? Worthless, right? Now again, I want to stay, stay in this space where we're always doing two things when we're trying to follow Jesus and reading his word. We're always staying between God loves us completely and no matter what, and we've got work to do, and if you feel the pain and the guilt of being part of what's messy in this world, good, hang on to that, but don't just sit there, right? The reason God says, I love you, is so that you have a safe space to go, I'm going to work on this, I'm going to figure this out, I'm going to keep reading and try and go, how do I make this actually work in my life, right? Because the one thing God is not doing is saying, I'm going to make the bar so high that none of you can make it, so that you just depend on me and I'll take you to heaven later. That is not Christianity, please. Christianity is, I am going to come into this world and make it possible for you to grow and grow and grow so that your language becomes better and better and better and you become more and more and more loving. It's about this world, right? The after stuff, that's the bonus, right? That's real, right? But we don't know a whole lot about it. We just know what we're supposed to be doing right here and let the rest of it take care of itself. You've heard me say that before. I'll probably say it again. All right, so James weighs in with this. He actually says a whole bunch more things. He talks about the tongue being um, a spark that lights a fire. You know that camp song? It only takes a spark. Everyone now. No, just kidding. I hope it doesn't come from this passage because it says the tongue is like a spark and it lights a forest fire, which as you know this year are horribly damaging things. And then he says, and the tongue is set on fire by hell itself. Pretty strong language for how we speak. All right, let me carry on. The wise man. Oh, he doesn't say fool here, he says reckless people. The words of, reckless, of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The reckless, good term. When you say something quickly, and it might even be funny, I'm speaking to me here, it might not be helpful, it might actually be hurtful. I have sat with people who are definitely and clearly and obviously dedicated Jesus followers, and in their zeal for what they believe, they've actually managed to hurt the people listening to them, right? That's actually all of us, by the way. It's actually trickier than we think, right? And I don't want to wipe out hope, I just want us to be more deeply aware that this talking thing is really hard. Because you know nowadays, right, people change the labels by which they want to be identified, and we go, oh, they shouldn't have to do that because now I have to work to know what I'm supposed to say to somebody. They've changed their pronouns or something like that, right? But folks, if love is about 
blessing that other person and letting them know and experience that they are loved, we might have to do some work to build that relationship that includes not saying things that make them put up walls, right? You can actually speak Christianity in such a way, we've done this many times, that people step away from it and go, I don't want any part of that. A message of love that people don't want any part of, it might be that we're not saying it just right. This is a all of us kind of a thing. The tongue of the wise, no wait, one more thing on the reckless, pierced like swords. You maybe know this, but it bears saying again. You know that line, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me? Yeah, not true. Right? You all know that's definitely not true. Words are crazy powerful, right? If you, if you physically injure me, it's probably going to heal, and I'll probably forget about it. If you stab my soul with a hurtful word that you know is landing deep in my heart, that's therapy and years of it to undo that kind of stuff, right? Words have power. Be deeply aware of that when we're speaking. And the tongue of the wise brings healing. And I love that they talk about how we speak with the word wisdom. I don't know about you, but I prefer if there's just rules, that if I didn't say raka and I didn't say you fool, I'm nailing it, right? I got those words out of the way, and then we add a few swears to there and don't say God's name in vain, nailing it. But wisdom is understanding there's a soft soul in this other person, and if God is going to come into this world in the form of Jesus Christ and say, I'm going to live among you, I'm going to tabernacle among you, I'm going to camp among you, as John 1.14 says, then following him is about us going, I'm also going to sit with my neighbors, my friends, my family. I'm going to sit with them in such a way that I feel what they need to hear and find a way to say it. And why not this? Check in with them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Is what I'm saying, right? Is that, is that right? Is that helpful? Is that right? Is that bringing healing? And hopefully by the end we should know. You should be able to, this is the goal, we should be able to have a difficult conversation where we completely disagree with another person and they actually feel loved on the way out the door, right? So if you want a standard, I think it's somewhere around there, okay? Now, we've had all these folks. How about Paul? We've got to have Paul. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. Paul writes, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, right? He's summarizing it for us, that it may benefit those who listen, right? It's not about you saying, I've got my truth and I need to say it because it makes me feel better if I've said my truth, right? It's you saying your truth in such a way that it benefits and builds up the needs of those who are listening. It's about the other. We're here to serve the other. Always the case. All right, so we've got Jesus, the wise man, James, Paul, I ask you this, will more verses help? Do you need more information? Is this an information issue? Because if it is, I have more verses, all right? The Bible is full of passages about what you do with your tongue, right? Google it, it's very easy. I don't think that's the solution. So in Luke, Jesus gives the Sermon on the Plain. One of those fun things, I read from the Sermon on the Mount, that's Matthew. Jesus, in, in Luke, he says it's, they were on a flat area, they were on a plane, right? Um, my highlighted right now media thing, quick ad for that, was Tim Mackey's How to Read the Bible. 
right? There are a lot of things in the Bible that we need to relearn how to read because the Bible wasn't written for people who live in this day and age, right? We live with a very different understanding of how writing works, right? So Matthew and Luke and biblical times people had no problem that one of them put it on a mountain and one of them put it on a plane. It's a problem for us because we're going to know which one's right. And they're going, you're asking the wrong question. All right, that's an aside. We'll talk about it again in a couple of weeks. Back to what I'm talking about today. In the Sermon on the Plain or the Sermon on the Mount, either way, Jesus says these key lines, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Which is pretty clear in the speech thing. Even with somebody who is, in your humble opinion, horrible, the way you use your speech has to come across in a loving way. And then this one, do not judge. Do not judge. That one's so hard because we're not actually capable of not making assessments, judgments, and so on. But it's even hard in the way that it's meant here, which is do not write somebody off because they are other than you in any way. Never your job, right? And if you want to know a hurtful thing that can come out of being Christian and religious and the Jesus follower, it's saying your faith in such a way that you're going, oh, he's not so smart people who don't see what I see, right? You can actually say the beautiful things of your faith in a way that judges and hurts and pushes people away so that they're not coming towards Jesus. They're actually stepping back. All right. The heart of the matter. This is just a little further in the Sermon on the Plain, Luke 6. A good person brings good things out of the good sword up in their heart, and an evil person brings evil things out of the evil sword up in their heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. This is Jesus' continuous teaching. You do not change who you are by trying harder and knowing more rules and having more verses in your head about how you should do your tongue. This sermon, if all you get out of it is that the Bible doesn't want me to speak negatively towards other people, right, will not help you. That concept has to get into your heart. And that's the beauty, as well as the challenge, of Christianity. How do I get that into my heart, right? Well, in a little while, we're going to do communion. This is a symbol of getting it into your heart, because we're going to take a little piece of bread, and we're going to take a cup, and we're going we're to wash our mouths out with communion, if you will, right? Wash but really not washing our mouths out. After we wash our mouths out, we're going to let it go all the way into our souls, right? That's why we give you so little, so you don't think this is about your stomach. It's not. It's about your heart and your soul. This is Jesus going, I need to come into your heart and transform it. You need to surrender yourself to me so that your heart begins to be transformed and begins to beat for me, and then what comes out of your mouth will reflect the fact that I'm living inside of you, all right? So that's the summary of it. I'm going to give you in one slide, the pathway. First, work on you. Work on your angry words, right? Again, because otherwise you're just doing the judging thing, telling everybody else about their bad words. Nice, right? But your job is you. And as you're working on you, find a place where you can confess and be honest and be real. I have people in my life with whom I share things, and I say, I'm never saying that outside this room. I need to try this out and figure this out. I need a, a safe place to express what I'm struggling with and what I'm frustrated with and even my anger. Right? Find that place. Because without doing that honest work, 
true confession, right? We can do the general confession that we do in a worship service with all of us, but if you don't have a place of true confession, it's really hard, somewhere near impossible, to actually move forward in your journey of following Jesus. Find that place, all right? And then when you've done that, receive love. Receive forgiveness. Receive healing, which of course assumes that we're also willing to say to each other, you're forgiven, you're loved, you're healed, right? That's what our prayer interaction is all about. And then this, because I think, I think some of us are actually on this journey and moving forward, and we skip step four, which is pay attention and celebrate small steps. So the group of folks that I'm on this journey with, when we share, we're often going, oh man, I'm still struggling with that same thing I was struggling with before. And people go, no, we actually see you progressing. We actually see you um, managing your anxiety or managing your language or managing whatever it is that you're struggling with more than you had done before. Pay attention and celebrate small steps because that's what you do in loving community. You know you're loved enough to share. You know you're loved because somebody says you're forgiven, you're healed, you're blessed in the name of Jesus, and you know you're loved because they also tell you when you started taking steps forward. That's true and real community. That's what this Jesus following deal is all about, and that's how we reshape the way we speak so that nobody gets hurt. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we know you want us to be and say, in loving ways. And we recognize the challenge and we trust that each of us has been convicted that this is our struggle as well. And if not, we pray that you would help us find that truth. But Lord, we pray more that we would know your love in such a way that we'd also find the places where we can work on this together, where we can grow, where we can be honest and real, where we can see, receive forgiveness and love and encouragement to keep stepping forward. Lord Jesus Christ, may that be what shapes who we are together. And we pray this in your holy name.